Today, we're going to jump into some strategies that help some cannabis companies thrive in 2020, as well as a list of cannabis industry's biggest wins of last year. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. To kind of help us dive into some of these reports is Katrina Golgowski, angel investor and attorney. Katrina, thanks for being back on the podcast. Thanks, Josh. So MJ Business Daily, they got strategies that help marijuana companies thrive in 2020, talking about um, it being brutal. There was a pandemic, an economic recession, hyperpartisan uh, presidential election. And so kind of looking at uh, over the last year, um, executives saw supply chains from China snap overnight. So some of the strategies, so key measures and yardsticks. So included uh, top sales positions in various states, according to data from Seattle-based uh, firm Headset and LeafLink. Some other key uh, keys to success included smart inventory management, aggressive discounting, crafty marketing, product variety, data gathering, and analysis, as well as increased self-reliance. So maybe let's break that down real quick and talk about um, smart inventory management. You know, I wanted to find out some some products that had CBN in it. And so walking into a store and you just ask a bud tender and they're looking around, they're like, oh, let me go ask the the manager. They have no idea. But you know, if you had a, a data, if you had a, a program like headset, you would you would know. So I think that's probably key of knowing what kind of inventory you have. Also not letting stuff sit on the shelf forever and right. being able to track what's selling and what's not. Right. Aggressive discounting is another one. There's loyalty programs um, out there, whether or not they work. Um, I have to kind of look at the numbers, but that helps, especially discounting via the text or, you know, other methods to kind of get people to kind of look at um, social media or texting or whatever else and get them back in the stores. Yeah, got to move the product. That kind of includes crafty marketing and using, you know, I mean, text is super old, but with cannabis and you can't really advertise and market, it makes it hard. So got to go back to the old, uh, old school ways of doing some things. Product variety, seeing some of the companies that were having maybe top shelf premium products working their way down to the cheap weed category um, as kind of bulk has taken over. People spending more money on toilet paper hoarding and have less money for cannabis. It's going to be a, a lot of product variety. Uh, agreed. You, and you need to know which of your products actually sell. Yeah, not so much chocolate covered espresso beans or even coffee. Um, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of healthy options out there. But looking at the data on what sells is not going to tell you what could sell if you introduced it. But if you're just entering the market, got to go with uh, with solid data. And that's data gathering and analysis as well as increased self-reliance. So that's compliance. That's kind of just knowing what you're doing and getting some uh, some tools in there to kind of help you out. Well, I think what the data is going to show is that vertically integrated uh, companies did a little bit better than uh, little one-offs that struggle, number one, to compete. But if you can't control the supply when there's a spike in demand because of panic buying, well, uh, then you're going to be at the bottom. Mm-hmm. All right. So Benzinga, they got an article about the cannabis industry's biggest wins of 2020. So the cannabis industry, they adapted to the pandemic. And so I guess we can kind of narrow that up to maybe fast tracking delivery. They had roadside pickup, which was really interesting. Uh, they were deemed an essential business. I mean, a lot happened last year. Yeah. 
I think the biggest win there is being deemed an essential business. Uh, these are state governments that hated cannabis yesterday saying, now you're an essential business and you must stay open. That, that's a big shift, big shift. Yeah, and for a state like, you know, Washington that doesn't have delivery, that's obviously going to make it uh, important enough to maybe hear a bill on delivery. I know that um, growing at home, home grow bill is gaining some traction. Maybe that'll happen at the same time. Who knows? But there's some other bills. Uh, obviously, uh, marijuana lounges are, are not anything anybody wants to hear right now. So there's been some give and take on, on that side. We did see a lot of cannabis sales skyrocket, some people shifting to edibles and away from topicals or tinctures, a lot of bulk buying, not a whole lot of individual you know, grams, but more about ounces. Um, so definitely shift in consumer preferences as kind of sales were skyrocketing. Yeah, and this totally makes sense. You're stuck at home and maybe your home situation isn't ideal for a variety of reasons, what are you going to do? Right. And that's same, same state sales year over year, not even including like Illinois, which has the highest uh, basket size anywhere in the country at over $100 on average per customer transaction. That'll dip down. California is at around 60, 65, because that's their minimum order amount. Washington and Oregon are like 30 bucks. <laughs> so we go and we buy when we want to buy it. And that's really kind of the difference. So looking at somebody like Illinois or even New Mexico or Michigan, Maine, they're going to be really, really high because people are going out wanting to try new things and hoarding and hoping that like with Maine, for example, that they don't get shut down again. Right. Number three, the UN reclassified cannabis. I think, yeah, so the world a recommendation from the World Health Organization in 2019 about global scheduling and cannabis needed to be changed. So the declassification by the UN following that. This is probably the biggest uh, development in the cannabis industry in 2020 because once it's descheduled internationally, it opens up international import and export. And that is where the future of, of cannabis is. Right. And one of the crystal ball predictions is international export is going to um, be a thing. And so as soon as Canada can kind of figure that out and allow Colombia uh, cannabis to to enter the the country and maybe that was a roar in cannabis uh, canopy growth say no no we don't want that cheap good cannabis because we have to shut down our 250 million dollar production because uh, we don't know how to do it as well or cheap as uh, what Colombia can do um, I think a lot of this the UN and the World Health Organization and all these global um, push and initiatives to reclassify and normalize cannabis is really going to put a lot of pressure on um, countries like the U.S. to legalize as soon as Mexico comes on board. So this is good news. Agreed. And with that domino effect, we're seeing five U.S. states legalize uh, after the November election, including Montana, New Jersey, South Dakota, Arizona, and then Mississippi also voted for medical cannabis. Yep. <laughs> all good stuff. So that's going to create FOMO in New York. Virginia already said they need money. New York didn't even talk about kids. They were like, we're broke. This looks good. This is where we want to go. I mean, they're not even, they're not even downplaying the fact that this is about revenue. Right. And that is it. 
So I'm surprised they didn't mention the um, the House, uh, the Moore Act that uh, that went through the House and was passed and is now um, going to move to the Senate. Everyone thought that it would just die in the Senate because it's been Republican controlled, but it looks like uh, the House and the Senate and obviously uh, presidential um, uh, election of Joe Biden, it means that everything is democratic. So a lot of cannabis stocks have been um, increasing after the election and then after the Georgia uh, Senate runoff um, and everything kind of since then has been going gangbusters. So again, we're, we're projecting, uh, that is with the C3 fund, uh, we're projecting a triple digit increase in the cannabis uh, stock sector this year. So it should be interesting to watch. We'll see if that holds, Josh. I certainly hope so. So do I. You're just going to have to come back to the talking hedge and find out. So with that, I want to roll this one up and thank my guest, Katrina Glogowski, angel investor and attorney. Thanks for being back on the podcast. Thanks. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is the talking hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, it's Justin Benton, host of the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant that goes by so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. So if you love this plant and you want to hear a story that tugs on those heartstrings and learn more about this plant, then head on over to the Miracle Plant Podcast. You'll be glad you did.